Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 104, quarter two, 2022 portfolio review. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. Today, me and European DJ are going to discuss our portfolios and how they performed over the second quarter. All that and more. See you on the inside. European DJ, two-year anniversary. What's up? Hey, yeah, this is awesome, right? We're just talking about before the podcast that this is the f- last episode of season two, and we will start season three next week with episode 105. I mean, it stays amazing, right? I, I know we just had the celebration of the number 100, uh, right? But uh, yeah, it stays amazing, and I like celebrating these milestones. So uh, cheers on you. Yeah, they're, they're important to celebrate. I mean, two years is, is quite a feat. Uh, particularly something uh, I think we've only missed one weekend out of yeah. out of all this time, which is which is quite astonishing given our our busy schedules. But um, it's um, here's to here's to another another couple of years of this anyway. Yeah, and what I like as well, right? Our uh, listener base that we see in the stati- statistics is like it's like dividend growth. Yeah, you start low and it keeps on compounding, which is really, really nice to see, right? That it follows a quite a similar pattern. So, yeah, and look, I don't follow the numbers too closely because it's more about the community. And exactly, and we've had a really strong community since since day one, and it seems to be growing and growing. I get tons of emails. I, I try right back as quickly as I can, uh, but I, I'm starting to get so many of them now that it's 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 getting harder. I might need to hire an assistant, but it's um, I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. But but hey, let's let's look at some. Actually, before we get to the news of the week, okay, I, I have a question. I have a question for you. Something that's really bothering me. Are the airports as fucked up in mainland Europe as they are in Ireland and England at the moment? Um, so from what I've been reading in the news, for instance, in the Netherlands, yes, it's exactly the same. They are canceling some flights. Um, effectively, from what I understood and i'm not paying too much attention to this so i might be wrong but from what i understood is like in the pandemic there were not so many um, uh, flights going on people were being let go and now suddenly everyone wants to go on vacation again and there's not enough uh, personnel on the um, on on the airports to do the for instance the shipping of, of of the suitcases and everything yeah so that's my understanding and that's why they can't commit to all the airplanes coming in and going out and all the holidays so yeah i mean it's 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 crazy i know people who have flights have been cancelled they've been stranded luggage missing um my i myself i drove up to collect my uh, sister-in-law from the airport on thursday and it was just chaos even getting into the airport I mean, getting in is is usually quite smooth. It'll take it two minutes. It took me 20 minutes from from the start just to get to the end. And then their flight was delayed. So I couldn't stay. So I had to keep doing a loop until they came back in. It was, it's. it's, Well, for me, this is um, uh, finally a side of capitalism that we are seeing that is more on the employee side. I mean, if you've been ditched during the pandemic, 
uh, like like a number, then I can imagine that you find another job uh, where they treat you better and you, that you don't get come back. And now the airports need to figure it out themselves with the airlines, and maybe they need to start paying better. And I know we will feel that in the wallet when we go on uh, vacation. But uh, hey, that's how it is, right? I think um, if you treat them like like second class citizens, sometimes then that's what you get in return. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's easy for you guys. Yeah, you're not you're locked by land. You're not locked by water, so you can drive to wherever you want. Us over here in Little Old Ireland, we need these airplanes up in the sky, which is quite frustrating because to get to anywhere, we either need planes or boats. Yeah, um, and it's it's so give those people in the airport more job security and uh, better wages. Yeah, yeah. And better better hours working too. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, no holiday for you then? No, no, and I know, I know, we were all meant to meet up in August, but it's just too, too crazy, too unpredictable. I, I can't afford to be stranded in in Europe with work and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm not flying until it's until it settles down. It's um, it's too risky. Nice, nice, nice. So tell me then, what what's really in the news uh, uh, for this week for you? So, so you know. I haven't really kept track with the news, but one thing that always reminds me that earnings season is coming up is Walgreens. They're, I think they're always one of the first companies to deliver their, their quarterly earnings, which which they did. Um, I've only briefly went through the headlines. I haven't haven't got into the meat and bones, and it's look, it's pretty much as as expected. I've spoke a lot about Walgreens. We know they relied a lot on COVID and vaccines, which you still have to a certain extent. Yeah, but we're starting to see now a decrease in revenue. They also had um, some litigation that they had to pay out, which impacted their operational income. And I was surprised to see that they have another um, business unit. So they are developing Walgreens Health, which is, look, it's it's interesting to see what, what they do with that. But all in all, from the headlines, it, it's as expected. I don't know why the share price tanked straight afterwards. I don't know what people are, are expecting. I, I think they just want happy news all the time, but it's... Um, it's 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 okay there was, there was some encouraging signs boots in the uk are doing quite well online sales is, is growing as well so it's um pretty much a damn squid in, in my opinion just uh, i think the forecast was low legit low digit growth i don't see that changing if if anything it would be probably one percent maybe two percent max so are you buying more no i'm not buying more i think i've said that before i have i have enough shares um i am selling covered calls on them for that at higher, higher price but I'm, I'm not i'm not buying more mm. okay cool so and uh, what are your thoughts then about bitcoin and not so much about bitcoin or maybe like cryptocurrency but more about those cryptocurrency what is it trading platforms like how it's called celsius uh, coinbase that have locked their accounts that you can't withdraw money anymore um yeah i, I mean about that i mean the whole point of crypto wasn't it that it was an ecosystem where you are you did not need regulations you didn't have banks that that could do this that your money was free you could move it around and it's just turning out not to be the case like every everything that was sold fundamentally about cryptocurrency seems to be flawed and incorrect i mean it was a hedge against inflation no it's not 
it, it, you know what I mean? It's it's digital gold. Store of value. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, your money is safe. No, it's not. I mean, if anything, it's probably less safe because you have no access, no control over it. There's no. It, it depends, right? Mm -hmm. If you own the Bitcoin yourself, it's different than when you have it in a wallet with with such. Uh, wallet, yeah, but right? but but having it in a wallet is no difference to me having money in a bank or an investment. Exactly. Program. Exactly, so, exactly, and then you need regulation. Yes, exactly, because because these guys can can pretty much do what they want, and they can close down, and there's no regulations here. So I, I look, it it to me it feels like 2017 again. We I was on that hype train. I I, I got off it. I I did have some regrets. I was talking to you maybe last year when we started to see it come up again, but it just seems like it's the same boom bust, boom bust. It's um it's a risky sector uh, there's money to be made but there's also a lot of money to be lost yeah and i think i think what we are seeing now also of celsius right because i often got the question like why are you not uh, using the passive income from there they were were giving you more than 10 percent, right and you know for me uh, if you're in such a, an industry then more than 10 percent, i just don't trust it and people can tell me whatever they want i just don't like like they're cutting out the banks and it's direct between you and the and the and the one who wants to borrow money um it still is all too good to be true because who wants to pay 15 or 20 percent interest rate on something right yes yeah. that's what we're talking about here and now they have uh, seemingly some liquidity issues uh so i don't know really what's the truth but for me these all sound feel like ponzi schemes in the end um and I, so i'm staying away for this uh, specifically if there's no regulation um then i i can't trust at all the this money that you're receiving as passive income because i'm more interested in protecting my principal in the end uh, i mean passive income became such a buzzword and and i'm guilty of that as well passing off passive income and, and talking about mm -hmm. it and, and so on. But it became such a buzzword that people were throwing themselves into lots of different risky areas. Person-to-person -person loans is another one. And, and people get sucked in when it goes good. It seems like it can last forever. But there's always risk. Like, there's nothing truly passive, I don't think. Yeah. There's, there's always some bit of work. I mean, dividend investing is probably close. But, I mean, look at the work we put in index investing you might might say is passive but again you have to still put work in to change yeah. funds and, and there's always some bit of work so putting your money into into these sites and just expecting it to sit there and continually generate money is probably yeah. unrealistic and and it's it's going to be a hard lesson for people i know a lot of people lost a lot of money just like yes. 2017 which i feel sorry for but it's um i i think that's why you stick to the trade and test it good old yeah, good yeah. Old. And, you know i don't trust regulators fully either right no. i also think it's an old boys network but at least they need uh, the companies will need to report like the 10k all these kinds of things right so it gives you more information than almost being fully not regulated and the, the security exchange uh what is it uh, commission has yeah. been re uh, also sending warnings as an example to those companies like hey we are lacking transparency um and i pay attention to that and the same is like the hero uh the hero also got again a two million fine uh for something uh earlier this year um and that went to flatex right in the end and yeah. it also gives some signs that in the hero they need to also do a better administration but i think that was also one of the reasons why they went to flatex yeah yeah and usually it comes with a cost 
as well yeah because if something is for totally for free you need to really ask yourself okay so how are they earning money on this are they are they are am i then really owning my shares as an example um are they really uh, locked up for me and am i protected when, it, when when the company goes bust um so i i love those new business models but you always need to check like who's really the winner here in the system yeah yeah look there's there's always a risk and let's be honest your money is not 100 percent safe unless you have it sitting in safe like exactly. your bed or something so there's always, yeah. always risks. hey but enough doom and gloom let's talk about your portfolio in this oh uh, i mean we talk a lot about porn charts right when we see those dividend growth uh histories from some really iconic companies but it's ah uh, man i was so positively surprised with my dividend income do you know that just in the quarter two of this year compared to last year my dividend income grew 82 percent 82 percent right i'm thinking here about 10 or 15 percent in general at this stage of the journey yeah it's a huge number considering where you're at it's a huge yeah and then so in april was 46 percent up in may more than 100 percent up and in june 73 percent up and may is my uh most uh as, as my top notch uh month in the year because of the european stocks yeah and of course i bought some european stocks also last year uh also we have of course um a stronger dollar like 10 percent uh 15 different compared to last year but even then my my average would have been up like probably more than 50 60 for for this quarter so i'm blown away by this and i've been sticking to my plan so i didn't um i said i i didn't necessarily spend more than usual uh, it was in my plan to spend a little bit more than usual but you know the stock market just came down so i've been able to buy companies uh, with four percent yield five percent yield six percent yield that were last year trading at maybe three percent yield or something like that Mm. so take a, a t row price group that i started a position in uh, think about castellum which is now trading uh, about five percent yeah viatris um so these are just good yielding companies and some of these are like top notch uh, texas instruments now above three percent as well mm. so my my also my portfolio yield went up from 3.18 percent to 3.65 percent just in the last three months yeah and and that's a lot because my total portfolio value actually grew by 1.3 percent wow i stashed of course money in the stock market but what you could say is like i lost a quarter uh, a single quarter of investments yeah you could say like that if my portfolio was flat so my investments and my dividend income that has been reinvested made sure that I'm still like like overall on my portfolio for this year I'm like up six seven percent and this is for me really the power of disciplined dollar cost averaging and if there's no better time to ever experience the power of it it's today when the stock market is down more than 20 percent some some stock portfolios because of the composition even more than 30 yeah. percent I'm up uh, uh over this year and it's really really these are the years i think where you will see in the long term 
the difference between performance, like what actually Warren Buffett is doing. He's not outperforming the market two years ago. He is outperforming the market now, and the outperformance now is much more powerful than two years ago in the boom and bust that we have seen with growth stocks. Yeah. I'm I'm up, I'm experiencing that now, and it, it's really making me. Uh, it's almost a humbling experience from that point of view. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, what I've noticed is your portfolio goal is inching towards fifty percent. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. I'm I'm going there. It's now forty-four percent. Let's say, um, uh, if I would reach fifty percent by the end of the year, that would be beyond my uh, uh, expectation. But honestly, I think it's possible still with the dividends that are coming in. I think that by the end of July, mid-August, I might have earned already the same amount of dividend income as the whole of last year. And, and again, I was expecting this to go slower at the moment because of I'm now in the seventh or eighth year of my journey. Um, but it, it has been just a fortune of the of the last six months to to invest because the stock market is down, lots of opportunities. So you know, I invested uh, positions in T Rowe Price Group. I, I bought I bought a share in ASML, uh, HPQ. Uh, I went big in Castellum over the over the last four or five months, let's say. Um, I initiated a position in Starbucks when it was trading $69. Um, I bought some Allianz, which is also trading more than uh, 5%. Uh, I initiated a position ASR, a small one, yeah, also 5 or 6%. So the insurance companies are really yielding nicely now. And, and some of them have really saved dividends. Uh, yeah, and Texas Instruments is probably the one that I'm most proud, proudest on. But I also bought Ambra, um, and that's that's the first position in a polish stock they 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 sell cedar uh, this kind of drinks here it's growing nicely and it's the, i think the only pure dividend payer growth payer in in poland that i've observed so far also yielding around five percent um yeah and then, then what i sold this um this quarter was philips because i'm done with it for seniors and, and novartis and i wrote about that in my spring cleanup portfolio why and also the, that cash gave me better yield in return and, and safer dividends. So all in all, yeah, it's been awesome just this quarter. Yeah, it looks looks quite quite good for you actually, and it's um it's it's incredible to see that increase. An eighty two percent increase is incredible considering how far in the journey you expect to see that maybe year one, year two, and slow down to maybe fifteen twenty percent. So it really shows your discipline if you stick at it and it's i think it's an inspiration for for me and for those listening as well how how you make a plan and stick to it well done yeah but it's difficult right because um uh, i can't even explain you how often i felt the idiot in the room yeah when you hear hear all the other numbers and such and also investing right now for instance i started castellum at 200 swedish crowns it's now what is it i, I have not checked but maybe 135 so i mean if people have been investing with me they they might feel like oh this edgi uh, he's 35 percent down yeah damn we lost a lot of money and i feel like damn i got only better opportunities to buy this stock because i look at it from a dividend income point of view it's on the shelf for the next 10 years so why worry about the share price yeah yeah true. It, it's the mindset right so if people are thinking like uh, uh this idiot he lost 35 percent i i don't trust what he says well, first of all, always do your own homework, of course. But for me, 
I just feel like I, I'm, I'm buying a company for 70 cents on the dollar. Yeah, it, it makes me proud to own this stuff. It's a, it's, it's an amazing mindset you have with, with things like that. And I'm, I'm in between that. I, I, I like when it's dropping, but now I'm watching it keep dropping. And uh, the struggle now is, do you wait for it to keep dropping? Or and I find myself getting greedier with my. Uh, so I put in, I put in some prices that I want to buy at. So I have, say, T row price for example. Yeah. I had it at a hundred and five, and then when I see it dropping, I, I lowered it down. It just, you know, yeah. it, you just feel like it keeps dropping. So it's, it's uh, definitely yeah, a learning. This is where you really need to think from a dividend income. Really yeah. start thinking about dividend income and and fair value, right? You need to have, in my opinion, a fair value in your mind. For me, um, the row price is like, I, I don't remember, fairly valued at 150, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so for me, the row price, hand over fist. I, I have already bought a lot, so that's why I don't need to buy now. But if it gets to 100, I will buy again, right? Because uh, I also don't feel like, you have, yeah, because I wrote an article on my blog about it, how to, how to, um, how to buy stocks in a in a crashing market or something like that so first of all you have people that say every 10 percent down i buy again yeah i follow this principle as well but if i bought it already in a month and it drops 20 percent in a given month i will not touch it anymore that month if i spent already enough or my bracket of money on it right just just as a safe uh fail mechanism to myself so th there is this thing like um how is it that it's not good to only do 10 percent because that's what i learned because i've been falling uh, catching falling nice like that so for me it's not just the 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 bracket down of 10 percent or 15 percent whatever you use but also the time distribution yeah i don't want to build a full full position in three months or something like that yeah yeah and, and that's probably my my learning that's something i have to to maybe try and incorporate something like that because i find myself particularly now i i I watch and and I'm, I'm seeing the market keep falling and i'm just expecting it to keep falling and i'm lowering my price expectations but maybe yeah i i have to really sit down and, and think about that but i, I do you know what I, I need to get back to blogging and really start being a little bit more disciplined and and get my mm -hmm. clear vision i feel like i feel like i've taken a step back with, with work and stuff and I'm, I'm not as focused as what i as what i should be um, and I've yeah. noticed that, particularly with Siemens and, and T Row Price, I, I've noticed that because I keep lowering my price expectation, even though I would ha be happy to own both at these prices. So, it's it's. I I, I have I have similar um, instincts like what you're saying, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to put uh, rules in place to prevent me from doing that. Yeah. Because I don't want, for instance, now I don't want to buy crappy stocks. At seven percent yield because it's low. I want to buy high quality stocks right now. Yeah. yeah. And for instance, Texas Instrument is a high quality stock for me. But I'm also thinking sometimes like, okay, maybe I should wait until it's 130. And then I think like, oh no, I loved it at 166. I'm I, I'm, I'm I must really have a boner on it at 142 then or something like that, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to really rewire myself. But to your point, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. Yeah. But that's 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 where i find myself so I, i'm going to i'm going to try and actually that's going to be my goal for quarter three i'm going to try and push myself in into into that because i just going over my my portfolio now i've, I've lost I, I spoke to you I, I lost most of my my data that i had in my sheets google sent me an email saying i was reaching my limit i deleted a load of stuff did not know that was in there until it was too late and i can't get it back but i've managed to cobble together 
2022 in into the sheet so i have at least i have that data um and i've made some some acquisitions this month so a lot of them would be in cefs so closed end funds they are some of these are really high dividend so they'd be eight nine ten percent they have long dividend history uh growth history um so one of them is Eden vance enhanced equity income and the other one is cloth global equity uh, opportunities fund so they're they're the two that i've been averaging into i've owned them before so i'm just building up them positions as they drop um you will notice i do have asr netherland there that was purely for dividend capture and options play um there was another one eagle bulk shipping and zim are both then of similar so they're not really dividend income even though i am now stuck as i said with with zim i have got an email from one of our listeners actually giving me a little bit more reason to be cheerful at least owning zim and i will reply back to that email but for the moment they are dropping hard in share price so anything i've earned in in dividend income is is washed out with with the share price but there's a huge lesson there for me uh, sell it <laughs> when i when i when i when I say I'm going to sell it and not get greedy with calls. Um, but in terms of dividend stocks, um, I bought some more orange. So, you know, telecommunications, it's, it's high yielding. It's a short-term play for me. Um, and I just increased double that position to 200 shares. And I always dip in and out of all three. So they are, uh, I have them, I sell cover calls. I think when they get above 50, I sell cover calls, I sell them and they drop below 50, I start to buy them again. Um, so I bought them. So. They were my acquisitions this month. Um, haven't sold a whole lot other than the ones with, with the option income, ASR. Um, pretty much, I think that's pretty much the only one that I've sold. Dividend income has been pretty impressive this quarter. I mean, it's far exceeded my expectations. Um, May in particular, I reached nearly 900 euro. I mean, if, if you had told me I'm going to reach that that figure back maybe last year, the year before. Now, a lot of that is because I bought ZIM. Um, ASR is in there, the dividend, and also BASF, which are which are three big ones um, to have. But my, if you exclude May for, for that, because May is always going to fluctuate, uh, be the biggest with European companies, my average has gone up to nearly 200 over if i look at march april and june for example my average is now 200 a month which is pretty impressive for me it's double where i was last year i think i was just under the 100 mark last year so in the space of a year i've doubled my income each and every month my largest holding actually i was surprised just just logged on this morning i think i said it to you i noticed it with you is now unilever so for me that that means that shell has taken a dip in share price i don't know i haven't haven't checked but they must have because they were they were my um, my largest, and I think uh, I think I have some things wrong in this this spreadsheet because it says consumer staples is sixty four percent. It's not. It's it's around thirty percent. But I don't have everything tracked from two thousand one, two thousand two, uh, two thousand twenty, two thousand one. But all in all, it's 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 a good month on, on dividends. My option income as well averaged around four hundred. Again, May was was a monster month with nearly a thousand there. Um, so between option income and dividend income, I'm I averaged about eight hundred a month over the over this quarter, which is oh, wow, which is which is decent for me. I think you will retire quicker than you um, than you might consider right now. I'm, I wanted to ask you a question. Yes, 
because you're doing quite well with option income i'm i'm observing already also in the downturn market yeah right so would you let's let, let's have a hypothetical question let's say that your expense coverage is 50 or 60 percent and you could cover the other 40 percent with option trading mm. would you consider uh throwing in the papers at work and just no. just do it as option trading not not quite not quite yet so the option income looks good okay but remember that is premium that i've received okay i have been left uh, there's a lot of learnings that that i've made and, and i'm making so i have companies like uh, wish for example uh solo as well that i have held for over a year that if i was to sell now my realized gains on them are are, are are quite brutal to be honest so that will wipe out a lot of my option income so I'm, I'm holding them i keep rolling keep rolling contracts on them and, and getting income until they get get to a level i think i have wished down to about an average price of three dollars 49 my initial price was nine or ten dollars they're trading sub two dollars so i have a lot of work to get to get that down um, so at, at the moment yes the option income looks good but i also have to take into consideration the positions i hold the capital gains loss yes and i'm I'm holding them the bag holders for the moment but it's it's all a learning but maybe maybe five six years when i've really really have my plan nailed down i'm really disciplined um and i stick to high quality companies then then maybe maybe it's an option maybe maybe it's a possibility but for for the moment i'm learning using a small amount of money using it as a learning growth phase just trying to supplement my income and, and trying to really stick to my plan which which sometimes is as with zim and, and others is, is it's not always yeah the i have this experience with bus f now that i um uh, did this dividend capture but honestly i'm totally happy that i bought bus f uh, at that price it was like 52 yeah. euro i think it's trading now around 41 euro so there's a capital loss but we know this because it's a cyclical company yes so those hundred shares that i uh, acquired i'm keeping them i'm 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 not even doing um how is it uh, selling calls on them now because i'm happy with them being in my portfolio i just keep them there i mean and, so so, yeah. so there's a difference there in and you know selling puts for a company that you want to own and then selling puts for premium that you don't mind owning for a short amount of time um, yeah Oh, at, at the time i rational rationalized in my head yes i wanted wish i would not mind holding wish for one year here i am what 12 13 14 months later still holding yeah. them do i want to hold them for another year and if i sell them now i, I lose some money so it's yeah. it's, it's so for me it uh, sounds like the classical example of chasing yield and therefore taking uh taking more riskier bets yeah but but i do think there is a fine margin there is a line there with, with safety and i just have to i just have to nail it and and then i might i might consider it a little bit more yeah. but, but for now dividends for me is always number one that's that's yeah. my focus and i'm using option to because i always have that bit of trader in me i like to trade and, mm -hmm. and I have it in me and that kind of satisfies that yeah, gambling casinos yes. yeah. yeah exactly so that's that satisfies that and and to be honest it's it's with as i said a small amount of money um once if i hit a limit where i'm holding too many companies i'll just stop and wait until until i, I get rid of them super
Hey, this was awesome. I, I think you're doing an amazing job, uh, EMF. If I, I've said it also in the other quarterly performance. It's 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 so inspiring to see you. I know you're a little bit later on the journey than where I am, but I'm learning a lot uh, from your from you as well. And it makes me always wonder. Ah, I should have done it a bit different in the beginning. Yeah, but I think that's the thing, right? If you look at others. Um, uh, you, you always learn something and yes for me it's really inspirational to see how you're how you're doing it how you're committed to it and also your thought process uh yeah which is really interesting yeah and i suppose what i try get to the listeners is sometimes we get questions like we're gurus for example and uh, no, my, we aren't. my point is this I, i'm clearly not i make a million mistakes and i try and highlight actually my mistakes more than my successes because I want people to see that these happen, but I think it's important. I mean, you learn, I think, well, I do. I learn more by doing something and making a mistake than copying yeah. somebody. I mean, I, I could easily copy your portfolio and have great performance, but I don't learn. I don't I don't know. What yeah, or, or, or for me, it's overthinking, as an example, which yeah. usually leads, in my case, to inaction, and therefore... I, I I don't benefit from something, right? Uh, so, and then this is where investing becomes really personal because it's like like grow, uh, raising your kids. You see yourself sometimes in them and the behavior you don't, you don't like, you realize, shit, this is me when I was young. The yeah. same is with investing. There are these patterns that really, really come close to your character. Uh, and, and, and it also highlights your strengths in your character, but also your flaws yes. in your character, right? Yeah, and and uh, to your point, rewiring is so hard, isn't it? To rewire yeah, yeah. your brain to change because because it is your character, it is your instincts, and to change your instincts, to change your thoughts, your subconscious, how you how you react to situations is is quite good. But I mean, as investors, we've had some. I mean, we've had since I started, we've had a, a boom market of greater than all time. We had a COVID crash. We also had a, a rebound and now we have a, a proper market crash. So I get a flavor of all different types of markets. And exactly. That's, that's I think that's quite good. I mean, 10 years from now, if I don't learn from this period, then I never will. Yeah. Yeah. And then honestly, I think we're not done yet this year. So no. I truly hope that we see another 20, 30 percent decline because we get better dividends. Yeah. But if you if if you, for instance, if this would be three years from now still down. And I wouldn't see it really in dividend income uh, back. I would probably be thinking like, shit, I lost so much money, which I could have spent on holidays. <laughs> yeah. House, was it all worth it? So it's also a little bit where we are in time, right? Uh, yeah. How we look at our portfolios. Yeah. Good. Super. Well, having said that, let's then go to some listener questions, uh, Derek. And, and the first one is uh, from uh, uh, Mark Orosi from Facebook, and he's asking, what are our thoughts about Texas Instruments via uh, versus NXP semiconductors? And he feels that both uh, seem like fairly valued, and he is uh, wondering what is, according to us, a better buy, and are we considering NXP? I mean, I, I haven't really considered NXP. I know that... European equivalent, maybe of, of spin-off from Philips. Yeah, so, but I I have never really considered them. He gave us a nice little graph um, with that, and it shows market share. And, and you can obviously see Texas Instruments, analog devices are are the two main ones. 
but it gives room, doesn't it, for the likes of NXP to grow. When the market share is so low, I think it's five, less than 5%, there's obviously more room for them to grow than there would be for Texas Instruments. It'd be harder for Texas Instruments to grab more market share than it would be for NXP. But uh, honestly, I, I've, I have never looked at NXP enough to, to make that to make that judgment call i know you talk about for the sake of diversification but i i'm happy enough just holding texas instruments yeah i think nxp is really interesting um until recently the yield was just not there for me to really take it seriously it is now yielding i believe 2.3 percent the payout ratio of 21 percent so that says a lot about the valuation at the moment yeah. Um, yeah, and if we see how it's dominating the market or growing in the market, I think NXP might be really interesting. So if 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 you are looking at it from a point of view, I want to diversify and not put one bet on a player in the in the semiconductor industry, then NXP might be a good consideration. I'm looking at it from a different point of view. I own already Intel. I own already. Uh, a really small position asml and i own already texas instruments so for me this is enough exposure to the semi uh, industry uh, but if i wanted to zoom in and i wanted to look at the analog uh, uh, chip industry let's say then i would definitely take seriously as a diversification away from texas instruments i would seriously consider nxp because it's the fastest grower there in my opinion with the best value proposition so but i just don't need it now in my portfolio that's my my, yeah. and, my thinking here and, and the only other uh, only other aspect is texas instruments is a proven dividend grower over decades nxp doesn't have that yet so yeah. uh, for me I, I i don't need to zoom in and diversify within a specific industry i'm, I'm happy i'm happy on top yeah, this kind of like um, how I said, uh, investing in uh, Zinedine Zidane versus uh, the up-and-coming talent, right? I would always go for the Zinedine Zidane of the industry. Exactly. Um, Drip has asked us what did we add in quarter two. I think we've I think we've yeah. answered that. Um, we have a question from Herman. What are your thoughts on uh, Besoy and the Allstate company? So from Bezzi, I, I would just always recommend to, to visit the blog from the Kleine Capitalist. Um, we can put the link in the, to an article of Bezzi for him as well um, in, in the description of the show. Look, I, I always stayed away from Bezzi because I think Bezzi is a good company to consider in the semi-industry, also from the Netherlands, if you're investing for a dividend income and are looking for a good dividend stock. However, um, I'm looking for a dividend growth stocks and I don't see Bayesley as a dividend growth stock as such because they cut the dividend from time to time. This is just known. So it really depends on your investing philosophy. I think you would do really well over the years with Bayesley from a dividend point of view. And on average, I would expect dividend growth, but it's just not stable dividend growth. And that's why I'm staying away from uh, Bayesley. Um, but I think generally... It's a good company, solid company, and I think it is also uh, trading now in, in a value zone, although I haven't looked deep into it. I am um, not able to say anything about Allstate Company at this moment in time. Okay, uh, me neither, so we'll, we'll move on. Um, La Collector de Dividendes has 
I think it's more of a recommendation, but he has mentioned that there are excellent investment management companies on the LSE on the London Stock Exchange at the moment. Uh, Schroeder's Intermediate Capital and Lion Trust are two that he, he gives a great dividend and of high quality. Um, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about these. I, I've heard about Lion Trust, similar to T. Rowe Price. They're an asset management company. Um, I haven't heard of the other one, but I will take a look. Thank you. So what I can only say is I studied all the 100 companies from the uh, London Stock Exchange, right? The FTSE. Yeah. And I went through the dividend histories of uh, Schroeder's and Intermediate Capital here. Yeah. Both got their dividends during the great financial crisis. Uh, no no surprise they were in the blast yeah. zone. Yeah, yeah. So um, they currently yield 4.4% both, I would say. Oh. Um, but for me they are not the best dividend stocks for that reason also in the um in the london or in, in in on this exchange or in this index that's why i didn't further look into it and i find t row price superior to these um but what is interesting of course if people want to invest um like if you're in poland and you how is it you have this uh, retirement account ika or ikazada you can you can invest tax-free right and you don't pay dividend withholding tax that's why the london stock exchange is really really popular in poland as well and i i can imagine that people want to look into it so the tickers are uh, icp and and the second ticker for Schroeders is sdr so 12 13 years dividend growth yielding both around 4.4 percent um yeah so i think it's it, they are might be interesting for further research but i'm staying away from them okay um s lint has asked what are your best dividend months may and june may. for me yeah. yeah me too um we have oh, and august in august as well because i get then i hold dividends and 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 many quarterly payers as well so august is also always a good month for me cool the Sly Badger has asked us our thoughts on the semiconductor industry. It is crashing now. What is going on there? Perspectives. I think we have spoken about this before. I think there's so many things going on in this uh, industry when it comes to just just getting the uh, the products to even produce this because of the Ukraine war, um, COVID lockdowns in China. All this stuff is really creating supply chain supply chain issue we had a ship blocking the Suez Canal as well so I mean if you think about the perfect storm that's the semi industry top of that we have inflation um, uh, a fear of weakening consumer demand uh, and electronics are I think one of those things that you can easily save money on yeah if you need to look at your budget yeah so yeah these are all headwinds um, but you know the every everything digital uh, trend that is going on in companies artificial intelligence um i mean we're still at the at the early days of this so this these trends are not going away and actually artificial intelligence is a really good thing for a business case to reduce uh people in the company as well so for me i'm really bullish over the next decade and if you look for instance at asml their order book is already filled for the next six seven years so I'm totally not concerned, but you need to look really at the at the highest quality companies in this um, in this sector. And Texas Instruments, ASML are definitely there. Um, Intel is not the highest quality. Intel is for me a turnaround story. I think they I'm, I'm bullish on their turnaround. 
but you will need to swallow pain in between. Yeah, but this is how I look at the industry at the moment. So I, I see it as a gift that is crashing and as a big opportunity for us because two years ago, these talks were out of reach for us. Yeah, I mean, they're the crashing because the general macroeconomics is so unstable in lots of different areas, but the quality of the companies has not changed. And that's, I think that's the, that's the key part. And just study Moore's law. I mean, we know that uh, every two years, transistors are going to double. And, and a lot of companies mention this in their reports that they're, that's what they're aiming for. That's what they're achieving. So we know these are going to grow and grow and grow. So I think it's uh, it's a good time to stack chips now, and, and particularly when they're crashing. Um, but focus, as, as European DJI said, focus on, on quality because they're the ones that will ultimately come out on top. Um, Manny has asked us, with the markets down, is it a good time to bump up the allocation in dividend distributing market ETFs as opposed to dollar cost averaging into your core portfolio holdings? Um, I would say for the majority of people, probably yes. If, if It's probably easier. It's probably a good time. For me, it makes no sense with the tax in Ireland and deemed disposal. Um, it makes zero sense for me to do that. Yeah, and I think actually opposite i think etfs would have been probably better off when the market was high because now we're entering the land of opportunities so i think actually in the re reversed way yeah 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 i mean, I, I i get what you're saying but most of these etfs have a lot, probably most of these core most people's core holdings within them yeah so there's, there's, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Just <laughs> Marcus asked us, is there a way to request more Unilever dividends in ice cream? <laughs> yeah, and he put a picture of Ben and Jerry's in there. And maybe this is a nice topic. Have you heard what Unilever did with Ben and Jerry's? Uh, have they spun it off? Or? Uh, no, they, but they screwed them over. Remember the story that Ben and Jerry's didn't want to sell ice cream anymore in Israel? Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, Unilever couldn't do anything because mm. they have in the contract written that the board of uh, Ben & Jerry's can effectively do whatever they want. So I, if I understood it well, Unilever has sold the patent for Ben & Jerry's or the, 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 the selling rights to another company for only for Israel. Wow. So what you can imagine is that uh, because that's what Unilever owned, so it must be war between Ben and Jerry's and Unilever at the moment, because this is this is really damaging long-term relationships. And you know, I'm a little bit concerned about this because this is again Alan Yopi, right um, here. And if I would now be an up up rising consumer brand, and I would like to cash out on this or find a home. Would you go to Unilever after you heard that that someone was screwed over there? No, 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 no way. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm so like, spin the company off, get rid of them. Do, like, uh, under, I don't like underhand tactics like this. It's... <laughs> exactly this, and then you know, if you treat, if you are Unilever and you want to do mergers and acquisitions, and specifically acquisitions of this, you need to have a really good reputation. Uh, for me, a company that has that is Rush, as an example, or Berkshire Hathaway. You know that you'll be left alone and you know what you need to give up and that's your cash flow right and and then you have a good deal you can still build a company you benefit from the uh, the supply chains and everything um but but unilever is now 
creating a distrust here and Alan Yopi for me it's another reason why he needs to get fired you, I, I I understand what they feel with Ben and Jerry's because we're talking here about this wokeism and such and and becoming politically engaged as a board of directors I think we we need to somehow separate capitalism from political engagement here at least to this extent right so yeah. but if you have a deal with them where this is written in their value system and their principles you need to respect it yeah you, you just it's a contract that you did not under uh influence of alcohol or drugs you've written this and signed it fully aware so you need to respect it at all costs and, and yeah it, it feels like he's uh, the unilever board have just thrown their ties out of the pram it's like we can't do anything to you over your stance in israel so we're just going to be petulant and pick something we can do and, and it's just it's just to me it's senseless I, I can't make i can't make sense of why you would do some there's so many better ways you could do that obviously spin the company off get get them off your books altogether that's that's one way um but to to go behind our back like that is is not a good sign um exactly and uh, i mean uh, this last your year largest I, position yeah, this this last year it's been really tough as a, a Unilever shareholder. There's there's no 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 positives at the moment. None. It just seems to be all negative, and I don't know. Uh, I might have to reconsider my position. Yeah, and the Magnums are getting smaller again. Yeah, they're tiny. They're, <laughs> they're they're shrinking every year. I mean, I remember the mid nineties. Maybe I was also smaller, right? But these yeah. ice creams, they were like I don't know. 300 grams or something like that these were huge with really big chocolate around it, it now they're becoming like little yeah. ice creams it, it's funny you say that we had this exact same conversation in work i mean how how small can they go is is the question like are we going to get invisible ones like <laughs> just, <laughs> this, this used to be an ice cream <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly but this tells us just that the company is uh, really struggling right because they are not able to hike the prices yeah. here seemingly or or maybe they're doing both yeah but that means that that they can't keep up with the return on investments they want to get from it and it's the same with um i i noticed with lace yeah the, the 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 bags with the chips in it are often also getting you know every every year like 10 grams off yeah it, it's like until you have small back bags again yeah it's um i don't know i i'm starting to doubt I'm starting to really doubt my my unity position at the moment. So, look, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they'll turn a corner. We we need that CEO to go. We need him to go. Yeah, Alan Yopi needs to be gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, John Barraclough, what would you like to ask? Uh, sorry, who would you like to ask a question to, and what would you ask them? I would love to ask a question to the original founder of Hershey, uh, the chocolate manufacturer. And I would like to ask him, like, how has he uh, created this this institution with the orphan uh, orphanage and such uh, as a security to his wealth? I'm, I'm I'm still like astonished and and amazed by how well he has done this because there was like two years ago I think Mondelez wanted to take over Hershey, but they can't do this without permission from this whole institution uh i think orphanage and everything behind its schools and and they said no right so what, what what why i'm saying this this guy or this family has created a shitload of wealth and they found a way after their death 
to still protect their wealth and people to benefit from it. And I'm sometimes thinking about this, like, how do I ensure that if, if my wife and me pass away, that my kids don't just bash it straight away on, on, on booze, drugs, women or men, whatever they prefer. Yeah, so I would like to one. I would like to see how how did he do this and how did he construct this? Because this question is sometimes coming into my mind, like how do I preserve wealth? Yeah. Okay. How about you? I I never. I'm I'm not as curious a mind as you. Obviously, I've, I've never I've never thought of that. But I'd probably ask maybe Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger if they were to start today, right today, with my income. Right, they have my income my bills, everything that I have, what would they do differently to me? Mm. I would love to know what they were doing in my position. Not in their position because they got so much money yeah. now. But if they had everything I had right now, what would they do differently? Hopefully he'd say nothing and I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh let me know when you get the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just have to pay about four million for a dinner with him or something. Oh fuck. Good. Uh, Mark Mark has asked us, do you think we'll enter an area of protectionist economic policies that will materially affect the shipping industry? I, I'm not knowledgeable about the shipping industry, so I can't say. But generally, yes, I think we will see more protectionist policies. We see it already with the UK uh, putting an uh, extra additional tax on 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 oil and gas companies for their profits this year so i think we'll see more of this in other industries like we we know governments want a piece of the pie don't we so when they see industries that are starting to soar and and getting out of control not, not even out of control but when prices are increasing and profits are increasing governments like to rein that back in and say hey pay uncle ben here we we need a we need a piece of the pie so you could you could certainly see that but I'm not an expert in in this industry. I'm just stuck with ZIM, so um, I, I I don't know. But I I would imagine we'll start to see something. Maybe. Um, Jeffrey has asked us that he, he knows we love Texas Instruments, but have you been considering uh, ticker AVGO uh, for that sweet dividend growth too? Uh, no, I, I I don't like Broadcom. Um, I know they are awesome as a dividend growing company. Um, and I know they've done well over the last decade. I just don't see it as a sustainable business well, because what they do is they acquire companies, kill the whole cash flow and, and the innovation in the company, uh, maximize the free cash flow with that. So the, for me, this is a company like a leech. They really suck suck everything out and, and, and distribute that back to the shareholders. I think this works as long as you're in a position to acquire, but at a certain moment, there will come the day of reckoning and then you will see this company is underinvested, losing market share. I don't know if that will be in the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 20 or 30 years. It, it just doesn't align with how I look at uh, sustainable business growth uh, when I want to invest in companies. Okay, cool. Um, and the last question comes from Samuel. Is there any high dividend stock that you've seen on sale recently? And by high, he means yields closer to Omega Healthcare. Um, not, not really, not really. I think. I mean, on Facebook was mentioned Rio Tinto, but I think you shouldn't look at those high dividend yields because it's cyclical. Um, at the moment, it's still uh, a lot of tailwinds for for a company like Rio. So maybe the dividends safe for another year. 
but um, no, not not anything that came on on sale. And I must confess, I haven't looked back at Chesnara for for the last few months. So and Chesnara is currently having a yield of okay. So it's nicer now. So it's yielding nine point forty seven. No, eight percent at the moment. Sorry, eight percent. Nine point forty seven is my yield on cost. So oh no, Chesnara is also up. So no, nothing from my side. Okay, um, not particularly in, in stocks. Um, I've mentioned closed end funds earlier. There's there's quite a few starting to come into um, well under their nav. Um, so it's it's an interesting market at the moment. So so usually when you see a, a crash or a market turn, closed end funds will will drop hard. Um, and that's probably a good time to start buying them. I would stick to the the main ones. There's been ones that have been around 40, 50, 60 years, but a proven dividend growth track record. They're the ones I would I would stick to. Okay, that's the end of season two and year two of our podcast. How do you feel? Uh, I mean, I, I you know I love doing this every weekend. I mean, I I love the conversations with you. I can tell you if I wouldn't have this, I probably wouldn't have had the same learnings and growth in my dividend portfolio. So you effectively make me wealthier. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely it definitely helps. We get so many questions and challenges and uh, emails. Everything, I suppose, everything we say is challenged, which is good. Um, we like that and, and encourage that. Obviously, as we say, we're not gurus, but I mean two years i'm happy and thanks to all our listeners not only for listening to this episode but has stuck with us from from day one or wherever you landed on on our journey we do appreciate each and every one of you and um just want to say thank you we will see you all next week